All right, today I would like to give a overview, which is, this is a quite a, a an undertaking for me, um, to give a, a brief overview of how God views himself and how that relates to us. So in Malachi 1.14, uh, God says this, For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. So that's what God says about himself. Um, why is it important that we know how God views himself and us? It's because he's right. His views are correct. And we should have the same views. The world is constantly bombarding us with their own uh, moral, uh, politically correct, which is wrong, view of God and man. And um, since they are doing that, I think the principle of associated glory plays out um, just the way it does in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says, As we, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Even so, the world, if we don't veil out the world, if we, if we face the world with an unveiled face, we're going to be transformed into the same image. And it's not going to be good. The world changes our, our views towards God if we don't uh, reset ourselves and go back to the Bible and see what God says. Um, so I think that's very important. That's one of the reasons I, I want to talk about this today. Um, God's pers perspective on himself and how that relates to us. Uh, how does the world view God? Well, Brad Pitt is one good example. He uh, he's a famous heartthrob that People's Magazine voted the sexiest man alive twice. And now Brad Pitt and I actually do have a number of things in common. And that's not one of them. But um, we're both born in Shawnee, Oklahoma. We're both um, raised Southern Baptist, played the guitar around 5'11". Um, but I want to highlight this about Brad Pitt. When he was young, he turned away from his childhood faith. And um, because it bothered him that God says, this is him talking, you have to say that I'm the best. So Brad agreed that God says he's the best, but he didn't agree with God in saying that he was the best. So that's a common ob objection of the world uh, toward Christianity. But if you think about it, that is the same thing that God... Satan all riled up in heaven because God said he was the best and Satan wanted glory for himself. And that is also the same temptation that Satan gave to, to Eve in the Garden of Eden to say that she could be like God, right? Um, so we all want our own glory and we face a temptation even as Christians on a daily basis. Uh, we want to be in the spotlight. We want to take God's glory from him. And uh, so that's the view of the world toward God and man. Uh, mankind wants, wants glory for themselves. They, want, they say, you're the number one. You know, look out for number one. It's all about me. So I want us to go ahead and, and jump into some scripture here very shortly uh, on how God views himself and how that relates to us. But I think this... The big picture, to, to get that, we need to realize that God chose us. And I'm going to make an analogy in a few minutes about how 
God chose us to be um, the bride for his son. All right. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Just I wanted to put that out there so it can start sinking in. Um, the Bible talks about that. Um, so God chose us. And God choosing us helps us to understand our purpose in life and to realize it when it's working out. And also it helps us in understanding scripture because it's all the way through scripture. Choosing means that it was resolved beforehand, okay? Growing up when I was young in school and PE class, we played war ball. And the team captains would choose who was on their team. Now, I was usually one of the last to get chosen. I wasn't very good at war ball. I didn't like it very good either. But the point is that we were chosen before we ever played the game. And that's the way it is with God. He chose us beforehand. Ephesians 1.4 says, um, speaking of the Father, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence. So, you know, God's word settles it right there. We will stand in the presence of God as blameless. All those he chose, right? Uh, Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So it's settled. Yes, it's true. We're responsible to turn to God, to believe in Jesus, and to have affections for him. But even as he chooses us, he also quickens us, uh, and he quickens our will. He he works in us. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God chose us. He works in us for his own delight. And, uh, and then Ephesians goes on to say that we're made holy and blameless through Jesus. That's, what, that's how we're going to stand before God, holy and blameless. And then verse 6 says, To the praise of his glorious grace. So it gives glory to God through all the things that God blesses us with. Paul repeats this in verse 12, to the praise of his glory. Again, verse 14, to the praise of his glory. So, uh, you know, ultimately and foundationally and at the core, everything is for the glory of God. Even though we get blessings, you know, in the subcategory of him getting the glory. So... So I want us, number two, I want us to see here, not only does God choose us, um, and, um, and Jesus is the one that makes us pure and blameless, but the Father gives us to Jesus, all right? So the analogy is, is uh, the big picture is, is a wedding. Um, and it's not just an analogy. There is going to be a marriage. Revelation 19, 7, let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. The glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. So he gets the glory, and we get the marriage, and we're and uh, and we're ready, right? Now, in some cultures, the parents uh, choose who their children will marry in advance, and even so, the father chose us as his own beforehand so we're his people we're the father's people in that context and then like a father gives away his daughter to the groom 
our Heavenly Father gives us his church to Jesus as his bride. So now there is a big problem here that has to be worked out because we're sinners. We've turned away from God and we're, we're repulsive. We're not a good bride for Jesus. Um, we have pimples and wrinkles and all kinds of blemishes. We're ugly in sin. John 17, um, this will start to come together as we go, okay? So in John 17, Jesus' prayer to the Father before he went to the cross, the day before, even though uh, the marriage analogy is not mentioned here, consider how it fits. Um, he's going to the cross, keep this in mind, the next day to make a beautiful bride, to make us a beautiful bride. He's going to perfect us, all right? So we're already a father's, we're given to the son, similar to the way a father gives his daughter to the groom. Verse 6, Jesus is praying to the father, yours they were, and you gave them to me. Verse 11, which you have given me. Verse 12, which you have given me. Verse 24, father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So, yes, God loves us. He loved us and chose us before the foundation of the world. But the if you see that word because in there, that comes right before the objective statement in the sentence, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. See, it's all because of Jesus and God's love that is within, going on, in between or within the Trinity. In a sense, God is loving himself. Uh, this, this indicates that the foundational reason for us to be loved and blessed and beautified for Christ is that he is the ultimate object of who is being loved in the text. And then number three, Jesus gives himself for us. And so Jesus went to the cross to make his bride holy and beautiful with with his righteousness and to give her access to his fellowship, uh, which is what every good marriage must have. Uh, there has to be communication. And I think now, finally, Ephesians 5 brings this analogy, this true analogy, into the light. And here's what it says. Verse 25 of Ephesians 5. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So Jesus went to the cross for the church. That's you and me if you're a believer. So that he might present, verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So Jesus removes our spots, our blemishes, takes away our wrinkles. What bride would not love for that to happen? Then, then she is beautiful for her husband. She gets beautified, but it's all for Jesus, for the glory of God. And so, number four, God's view of himself is that he is the very best, and everything is for his glory, even in in his loving and redeeming and lavishing blessings upon us. Uh, it all glorifies him. And speaking of Jesus, Romans eleven thirty six. For 
from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And uh, finally, just a few examples of ways God blesses us for his glory in salvation. Uh, 1 John 2.12 I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And, of course, his namesake, uh, what does that mean? Well, God's name gives us insights to who he is. He told uh, Moses to tell the children of Israel, I am, had sent him. And that implies a lot, if you have time to study it. I am, he's always been. Uh, he is God. Later, Moses asked to see God's glory. He said, Exodus 33, 18, please show me your glory. And God told him his name. In answer, he told him his name, the Lord. And also throughout the Old Testament, you see God's name linked or tagged or hyphenated, you might say, with, with descriptions of who he is. God wants us to know him for who he is, all glorious. Uh, so uh, when we ask for mercy, like this, uh, we do when we come to Christ, you, you might be thinking, it's all about us. We'd be tempted to ask for mercy for ourselves. But remember, at the end of our redemption is him being praised, right? So it's all for his glory. Isaiah, and I'll just blitz through these and I'll close. Isaiah 43, 25, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. David in Psalms 25, 11, for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. ASAP, Psalm 79, 9. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins, for your namesake. So, um, yeah, that points us to the cross, atonement for our sins. Uh, that is for the glory of God. All right? And and that's we, we spend our whole lives studying these things and pondering them and understanding them better. Um, but not only in salvation, uh, uh, man, I, I don't have time to do all this. Let me, let me uh, close with Psalms 23. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know, that sounds like it's all about us. If, if you And it's easy, if we overlook the next verse, we might think that. But verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God blesses us, and he leads us in blessings for his name's sake. Because of who he is. And I'm changing my mind, I'll, I'll read a few more then. Um... Psalms 31, 3, for you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. So there's guidance and leading, and there's forgiveness, um, there's choosing, uh, there's redemption, there's adoption. All these things are for his name's sake. Psalms 143, 11, for your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. Another passage that points us to the cross. You know, uh, it's not a balanced life of how much good you do and how much bad you do. And legalism in righteousness can never get us, uh, you know,
know, in God's good graces because we're all sinners. So here um, it says that um, preserve in your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. It's God's righteousness that brings us out of hell. It's the righteousness of Jesus. And we're all saved on a regular basis and from various things. For his mission, he preserves our life um, by his righteousness, not his, not our own, right? Uh, Pat, whether it's Pastor Solomon in India or those in Africa or uh, Thailand, the missionaries, or even here in Woodward, it's all, uh, he rescues us with his righteousness. Now, quick review. Um, God does all these things. He chooses us. He gives us mercy and atonement and salvation. He rescues us he, uh, with his righteousness. He keeps us. He secures us. He protects us. He leads us. He delivers us and he restores us all for his name's sake. Um, and in closing, uh, you know, uh, this day will come. Isaiah 43, 6, I will say to the north, give up and to the south. Do not withhold, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created from my glory, whom I formed and made. So one day soon God will gather together those he, who he has chosen from before the foundation of the world, from across the span of time and from every people group across the globe. Then we will see this connection to his namesake. Verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now when a bride marries her husband, she takes his name. So we too are called by the name of Christ. And we will be one in unity. And we will rejoice because he is the one who is going to receive the glory. And um, we'll be in his fellowship forever. No, Brad Pitt was right. God says he is the best. And uh, he, he doesn't know this apparently, but when we agree with God, uh, and Jesus becomes our greatest, best treasure worth leaving all for, when we realize he is the best, then all his greatness, all his righteousness, all his perfection, it all becomes good news for our sin. If we're hoping in him, if, if he is our treasure, if he's the best, then he becomes our joy and our peace and our right standing with God. And, and all of this is ours because he is the best. He is glorious above all. Paul says in, in Colossians 1.16, speaking of Jesus, all things were created through him and for him. Oh, Lord, uh, please uh, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for Jesus and being the best, Lord, and, and sharing his glory with us. And uh, thank you for letting me, calling me, Lord, and choosing me to, to, to come trust you, Lord, and just guide me, guide us, Father, all of us, uh, uh, to glorify you in our lives on a daily basis and to realize it's all about you and not about us, Father. Please reset our mindset toward uh, who you are, Father, and our relationship to you. And, and help us not to be um, transformed by the world's politically correct, wrong uh, 
thoughts about you and mankind, Father. But, uh, but we want you to be glorified in our lives and in all things. And one day that will happen um, when you return, uh, Lord, that and you'll be glorified in a way that, that all can see and know. And every knee shall bow, Lord. And we will rejoice in that day as well. In Jesus' name, amen.